You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. The name's Quest. Quest for 100. Welcome into the 100th topic of our Quest for 100. The double O. Yeah, the double O episode. Fitting fitting that we're going to talk about another double O. But uh, first, uh, Justin is on the other end. I am Brian. He is Justin. Welcome, Justin, to the, the last topic yeah this is uh this is crazy this is gonna be a special episode wow it Um, it took you a minute yep right on a minute well you know i couldn't i couldn't not say it yeah but yeah we uh we're here we're 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 obviously talking talking a new topic this week but this one's extra special because it's our hundredth and it also is kind of our last yeah uh, of the quest so we have been on a road to 100 in many ways. And, uh, you know, we are, we are here. We're going to have, we'll, we'll talk more at the end about what, what the future brings. But, um, but what I can say is that it's been an exciting ride and here we are at a hundred and we're talking about a really cool, really classy at times, although questionable at times we'll get into that topic of James Bond, uh, which is, which is pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah, but before we get into the actual topic, Justin, what have you been up to before leading into our 100th episode? Well, I uh, had a little bit of time, so I, I, I went golfing. Ooh. A little bit of that, yeah. Um, we never made our golf start- topic. We never made our... I know, I know. Well, maybe that's for another day, another another podcast that we... But uh, no, I play a little bit of golf. It's starting to get that time of year where it's a little bit tougher with the weather, but still trying to hold up with that. Did a day trip. We went to uh, Port Townsend. Oh, okay. And okay. Pools, Paul's, Paul's Bow. Paul's Bow. Yeah. Paul's yeah. 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 So that was kind of fun to pop around there. And, um, and, and Brian, we actually hung out. Yeah. And, and played, play a little, little bit of games. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you introduced Played, uh, me to Catan. Yes, yes, and uh, I felt like you left left the house angry and disheveled. No, 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 no. How no. that game panned out? No, no, I didn't. I, uh, you know, I, I just thought everybody was uh, ganging up on me because of my <laughs> my uh, decision making. Well, and you were all about the statistics. I was about the statistics, and and it didn't it didn't pay off because everybody attacked my numbers. So, uh, I I never played before, and and so now I have played, and it was a good time. It was a good time. Yeah, it it brings out the the best and the worst in all of us. Yeah, um, and yeah. That's why it's such a great game. Yeah, you and your wife were going at each other quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, that kind of happens. Yeah. Sometimes you just sleep on the couch after games like that. But, uh. <laughs> well, I also golfed. I actually golfed uh, ooh, probably a total of four times since we last talked. Woo! Yeah. Wow. So, good man. Uh, the weather was good here, and I just had to get out and yeah. you know golf a little bit. I, I do want to say that uh, my cousin Lisa 
did chime in about the fry episode and she had to do Ooh. her own taste testing this time. Oh, okay. Yeah. And and nice. she was in agreement on the McDonald's over the uh the Chick-fil-A as a oh. you know as an overall s- standalone fry, yeah. yeah. So you know, it, you got to try it out yourself and uh hopefully maybe from this episode you're going to watch a few Bond movies and and learn a little bit about uh the evolution of James Bond. Yeah. So I, I have, I have two quick shout outs. Um, well, one's not really a shout out more just an acknowledgement. So we just had our guacamole episode a couple episodes back and the, uh, I just saw this in the store. And so I purchased it. There's Tostitos guacamole flavored chips, like tortilla chips, which sounds gross. They look gross, but they are really good. Mm. And I highly recommend them. I, I was dipping them in, um, in salsa, but they're even good by themselves. Hmm. They're, I, I highly recommend if you're a guacamole fan, just give it a try. They look, they look gross. They look like they have green powder on them, whatever. But as as um, guacamole experts as maybe we are now, because we uh, we talked a whole whole know. hour on it. I don't know. Your yes. guacamole making skills were not. I'm not saying I'm a, a expert maker. I'm just saying we know a lot about it. Okay. So, okay. um, so that'll be the one thing. And then the last thing is, so I, I didn't bring this up to you, but I was very close to inviting a guest for this episode. If it wasn't our hundredth episode, I would have invited uh, a good friend, Andrew, who is a diehard bond fan. And so I, I, I'm shout out to you, Andrew. I know you're going to be listening and I want, uh, I want to hear your critique mm, of, of yeah. Brian and I, yeah. cause we're going to have some maybe hot takes. I don't know, but I'm excited to hear your opinions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's uh let's jump into some news. You're a newsman. I ever tell you otherwise. Punch me in the face. So, my news actually came out a couple of days ago about uh the James Bond coordinator explains why he spent over $70,000 on Coca-Cola soda for a Daniel Craig stunt scene in in the new movie. And so coordinator Lee Morrison, who's worked with Daniel Craig for a long time, uh, did a recent interview uh, leading up to what was supposed to be the the release coming up of the uh, new James Bond movie, No Time to Die. But uh, in his, this obviously has been pushed back until next year because of the COVID-19 stuff. And so in this interview, he revealed that they used over 840 gallons of Coca-Cola for a scene, which costs over $70,000. Essentially, the reason that they use it is because it, it provides a sticky substance to go onto the ground. And so they were shooting this scene, and you can actually see this the, the scene that they're talking about in the the second trailer for no time to die, uh, which you can be found on YouTube, but, uh, it's a cobblestone bridge. And apparently Lee Morrison, the, the stunt coordinator uses this a lot like Coca-Cola a lot because it, it adds a little bit of grit and, and, uh, friction to the cobblestone streets. And so you can control, you know, the bikes and the, the cars a lot better as they roll over top of them or like slide. 
um, mm-hmm. as opposed to just sliding straight on cobblestone and, and you know, maybe going out of control. So uh, I thought it was interesting that they, they spent that much money on Coca-Cola just for a stunt scene. Just for, hey, I mean, the, the, if I've learned anything on this podcast is that uh, nowadays any movie like this is going to pay for itself. So, you know, if you got to pay 70 grand to put, get some Coke and put it on the ground, it'll be worth it. You know, maybe it won't put more seats in the, in the stands, but it, it will, or in the theaters, but it will make some money. So I, I commend them for, for trying something unique like that. Yeah. I mean, if you think about Um, it, it's, they probably crash like two or three cars and that's 70 grand right there anyways. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. They, they, it may seem like a lot for us, you know, to put that kind of money towards a uh, a well, stunt or something like that, but they often put that much. I mean, it's still it's still a lot of Coca Cola to be bought. Like price oh, yeah. wise, it's not that much uh, if you think about you know movie production. But but the amount of Coca Cola that they actually bought was kind of crazy. So yeah, nice. Well, uh, my my news is you know, with, with no time to die, uh, coming out here soon. Um, and it's supposed to be the end of, of Daniel Craig, uh, at least as, as a reoccurring bond character, uh, a lot of names have been thrown into the hat for successors. And the current front runner is the actual is the actor from inception, dark Knight rises and venom amongst other things is Tom Hardy. Mm. He's the the current front runner, but interesting news: the uh, lately gossip has sprung up around former One Direction member Harry Styles. What playing Bond? So this is really out there, really weird. Um, but the British betting site Ladbrokes, who ha- has like uh, odds to to odds to become the next Bond has actually increased the odds of him taking the role from 100 to 1 to 25 to 1, so 4x. Uh, this comes in the wake of stories apparently originating with Styles' friends saying that he's in meetings with the Bond production team and that it's down to a choice between him and one other actor. But to be fair, uh, by comparison, Hardy's odds have gone from 8 to 1 to 1 to 3, which means... which pretty much means he's he's a lock compared to some of these other people but i wanted before i share mine i wanted to get your take can you see uh harry styles being james bond no not at all (laughs) i i think there would be picket signs outside of the theater if they need harry styles like you know, I'll give anybody the benefit of doubt and he's he's grown up, he's a little bit more mature or whatever, but you're not Bond. You can't be Bond. <laughs> so, I don't know how I necessarily feel about Hardy, but you know, he's 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 he fits the role. I think it's fine. Um, but I certainly don't like Harry Styles, so hopefully that does not happen. Yeah, that's that's not good. Well, should we unbury the lead before we uh get into yeah. some dropping knowledge so i'll just say that i have watched a good majority of the bond films uh i i was trying to go through and just check them off the list and i think there's less than five that i have not seen um okay you know when i was younger they were on tbs 
like they would do those bond marathons. I think it was TBS. Hmm. And sounds right. And they would just play them nonstop uh, during the summertime. And so it was like, oh well, a bond movie's on. I'll I'll watch a bond movie, you know. And sure. so like sometimes you just end up watching two or three in a sitting because like they just ran them back to back to back. So I, I have I think I've seen you know. A, a good majority of them or i know i've seen a good majority of them so it was more like trying to figure out which ones i had not seen um and, and again like i said i think i'm down to f- less than five that i have not seen hmm. or at least not seen any portion of them like don't recognize yeah. what's going on in the film couldn't necessarily tell you what exactly is going on in every film and any even you know with the history and stuff i, I would not say that i'm an expert it's just more like I know I've watched the films and don't always know what's going on. Like, you know, yesterday I watched uh, Dr. No and I could tell you that I don't ever remember that opening scene. Uh, I remember watching the film and, and the rest of the film, but the opening scene, I was like, Oh, I don't know that I've ever actually seen this part of it before. Yeah. 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 It's uh, well, I guess I'd ask you, so you've seen a bunch of these, do you consider yourself a fan of Bond? Do you like? Are you kind of lukewarm on it? What? Uh, I would say that uh, it it's a series that interests me. Um, I like it for the technology and the okay. the gadgets that come out. Okay. More than anything, um, but it's not something where like when the new ones have come out, I haven't been rushing to the theaters to go see them. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah, well, f- for me, uh, so th- this was kind of an interesting one for me because I thought I was a, I thought it was a decent fan of Bond. And then when I went into the research and I started looking at the movies, I didn't realize that there were so many of them. Mm-hmm. And I had not seen almost all of them. Mm-hmm. So I think before, uh, before we started, re- what was it, after last week's, pokemon episode i started to like okay i'm gonna sit down i'm gonna watch some of these movies up until that point i probably had only seen five movies really of the 24 and they were mostly the recent ones like yeah. i've seen the craig ones and i've seen the um pierce Brosnan. Brosnan ones yeah um or at least most of them but and i knew that there was other actors and it's 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 funny because uh, my my friends and Andrew is one of them, um, but my friends will talk about Bond occasionally and will bring up, you know, different actors. And it kind of mostly goes over my head because I had not really watched those. Yeah. So this past week, I've been watching a ton of Bond. And so I'm actually I'm up to 12 of the 24. OK, um, 12 of the the uh, canon 24. Uh, the, the two non-canon I didn't really consider, though maybe they'll come up um, in conversation. But uh, I wanted to at least watch at least one from every actor so that I had a perspective towards how they did. And, you know, we'll get into it in the debates. But I was just kind of shocked that my with, with, with myself that I was clearly not a huge fan. Um, and I, I feel like I'm a little bit more vested. The other thing I'll say, too is the one thing that I was a big fan of was GoldenEye the game because mm. I played it on N64 mm-hmm. a lot. That was mm-hmm. one of the you know popular party games. Mm-hmm. 
And um, so I, I I feel like I uh, knew the game. I actually realized, yes, what was it, yesterday I watched or two days ago, that I played the game so much, but I never saw the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, what? So I, I, I watched, I thought I probably saw bits of it, you know, before, because there was some familiarity, but I couldn't tell if that was familiarity from it being like a TBS movie or a, oh, I played that game and that's the opening scene of the game or it, whatever. So it, it, I will admit too, that it took me a long time. It, it was well after playing the game regularly to actually mm-hmm. going and seeing and actually seeing that movie. I, I was in that yeah. same boat. I've, you know, it was a few years ago that I probably... 10 or 12 years ago, I think in, maybe when I was in college that I saw the actual GoldenEye movie. By the way, did you yeah. when you said canon, did you mean Eon? Well, yeah, Eon, but like canon in terms of like part of the the real plot of Bond is it's called considered canon. It's, it's like, I always describe it probably incorrectly, but uh, basically like canon is part of the story and lineage of, of Bond and then non-canon would be something that's like a third party did it that, you know, was an homage to it, um, but not necessarily truly a part of it. So there was, there was one with Sean Connery, I think in 83 that was non-canon. Then there was the, the Dave, was it Dave Niv- yeah. Niven? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I don't consider them part of it. So I'd like to see them at some point, but I've also heard really bad stuff about them. So we'll, we'll see if I get around to it. All right, well, let's uh, jump into some dropping knowledge. As we normally do, I am the history guy, and Justin is the stats guy. 100 episodes, 100 times, history has gone first. So we're going with history. Plot twist, not really. I know. (laughs) So for those of you who do not know, James Bond is a fictional British Secret Service agent created in 1953 by writer Ian Fleming. So Fleming based his fictional character on a number of different individuals that he came across during his time in the Navy. The name James Bond actually came from American ornithologist, so a bird enthusiast, James Bond, a, a, a Caribbean bird expert. Fleming was a bird watcher and had a copy of Bond's fi- field guide for birds of the West Indies, which I thought was crazy that he actually like there's actually a person named james bond that's pretty awesome yeah lucky him this is a quote from from fleming uh quote when i wrote the first book in 1953 i wanted bond to be an extremely dull uninteresting man to whom things happened i wanted him to be a blunt instrument when i was casting around for a name for a protagonist i thought by God, James Bond is the dullest name I have ever heard. <laughs> that's like the polar opposite of what he is. Yeah, that's ex- and, and which I mean, maybe not polar opposite. There's some dullness to him, but he's got intrigue. There's interest there. Yeah, and and as I thought about that quote, it almost impacted the way I thought about the characters who and the people who play James Bond and which ones I actually like. Yeah, I'm. I will say right now, I am maybe more than most other things because I've invested so much time into research for this topic. I am really excited for our friendship test because I really want to hear your opinions, and maybe we'll get into them as we go. But I really want to hear your opinions on this stuff because 
there's very different personalities in these bond actors and uh what represents him well is really what indicates what you like yeah Um, so anyway so fleming decided that bond should resemble both american singer hoagie carmichael and himself so many of his own traits including his his uh, golf handicap and his taste for scrambled eggs as well as using the same brand of toiletries all carried through his stories. <laughs> so while serving in the, the Naval Intelligence Division, Fleming had planned to become an author, and he told his friend, quote, I'm going to write a spy story to end all spy stories. And this was, you know, in, in the early 1950s. So on February 17th, 1952, he began writing his first Bond film, Casino Royale at his Golden Eye estate in Jamaica, where he actually would write all of his novels during the months of January and February each year. So after completing the manuscript for Casino Royale, uh, Fleming showed it to his friend and uh, editor, William Plummer, uh, to read. And, And so Plummer liked it and submitted it to publishers, and eventually it would become... Uh, published in 1953 it it wasn't until the penultimate novel you only live twice that fleming gave bond a sense of family background so up until that point you really didn't know much about who james bond was and this book was was actually the first book written after dr no was in cinemas and and sean connery depicted bond and that really affected fleming's interpretation of the character uh, sure. So gave him a sense of humor and the Scottish accents and and all that type of stuff. So it, it really had a major role on just the novel side of things. So between 1953 and, and 1966, uh, two years ac- after Fleming's death, he wrote a total of 12 novels and two short story uh, collections, with the last two being The Man with the Golden Gun and uh, Octopussy, The Living Daylights. So multiple authors have expanded on the work of Fleming with a total of 44 novels that included six young Bond and and three spinoffs on Money Penny. Uh, And then we also had, you know, TV adaptations, radio, comic books. Obviously, we've talked about video games, um, all those adaptations. But then most notably, uh, the films have come out. So Eon Productions released the first cinema adaptation of the novel Dr. No, as we talked about, in 1962. And this featured Sean Connery as 007. So the the James Bond theme music was written by Monty Norman and first orchestrated by John Barry Orchestra in 1962 for Dr. No. Um, And there's been a lot of controversy over who actually authored authored the the you know original soundtrack um over the years as many many things but um you know john barry and and monty norman were kind of the the two that stand out the most so connery starred in in a four more films before leaving the role uh after you only lived twice in 1967 he was then taken over by George Lesenby uh, on Her Majesty's Secret Service in 1969. 
Lesenby only played that role for one appearance, and then Connery was brought back for his last uh, Eon-produced film, Diamonds Are Forever. George Moore, or excuse me, not George, Roger Moore was appointed to the role of, of 007 for Live and Let Die in 1973, and he played Bond for six more uh, movies over the next 12 years and was eventually replaced by Timothy Dalton for two films. Uh, after a six-year hiatus, there was some you know legal battles going on with Eon Productions and the Bond films and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Irish actor Pierce Brosnan was cast as Bond for Goldeneye in 1995. And so he remained in the films uh, for four more films before leaving in, in 2002. And then in 2006, Daniel Craig uh, was given the role for Bond in Casino Royale with the, the rebooted series. And Craig has appeared in four more films uh, with his fifth scheduled to be uh, No Time to Die. And that brings us yeah. to today. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I'll jump into some stats here. Um, so you kind of mentioned this, but obviously the, there's been six bonds in total. Um, if you if you don't consider the non-canon, what was it? Casino Royale, I think, was the one that uh, was Dave, Dave Niven. Yep. It was earlier, earlier on. But yeah, so Roger Moore had played the highest number of times and for a total of 4,348 days in the roles, that's 12 years. But that was recently surpassed by uh, the newest man, Daniel Craig. He's at 50, he'll be at 15 years when the new film comes out. So that's a long time to represent a franchise. You know, you try to think about other larger franchises that, you know, someone would be iconic for. I mean, you could argue like Star Wars and some of those people that have been around forever. But to be the lead of a movie series for that long is pretty cool. So worldwide, the Bond movies have grossed over $7 billion. In the United States, the franchise's total stand, stands at $2.137 billion, which stands at an insane $5.931 billion after inflation. And according to the numbers, that makes the 007 series the third highest grossing franchise of all time behind Marvel and Star Wars. So it's, uh, it's got some love there. So the, the highest, when you account for inflation, this was actually really interesting to me. Um, and maybe it was just after three massive hits, or, or maybe not massive hits, they, they were growing in popularity. But Thunderball, the fourth... Um, okay. The fourth bond film yeah. was 590 million domestically when you account for inflation, and the lowest was License to Kill, which was the Timothy Dalton second movie, um, at 81.8 million domestically. So pretty big hmm. difference there. But uh, I also thought it was obviously inflation being a factor here, but those newer movies have not. Like this is not peak bond time. That's what that's what this is telling me. Like peak bond time was Connery, you know, mid his you know five movies or so. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. I wanted to get into some some stats here on the films themselves because there's a lot of maybe not debate but just 
we talked about it up top, uh, different personalities and different things that happen during these movies. Um, so this is everything up until I think this doesn't include the last movie, uh, which was, what was that? Spectre. Spectre. But it includes all the other movies. A total of 405 villains have been killed by Bond. Wow. And with Pierce Brosnan as the deadliest Bond by far hmm. at 135 killed over four appearances, second highest being Roger Moore's 90 kills um, over it, his longer it, run. Is that including, like, is that henchmen including, or or is that literally just the villains? Like, so that's how many kills Bond himself made. Okay. So like, I mean, he might have killed a, a, a henchman or whoever, but this is like confirmed from, KO. Confirmed kills. Okay. Yep. From from the hands of, of Bond. Um, the deadliest or the least deadly Bond was actually George Lazenby's singular performance wow. as Bond on Her yep. Majesty's Secret Service. He only had five kills in that movie. Um, followed by Timothy Dalton's two appearances where he had 23 kills. And after uh, Lazenby's one outing as Bond, Connery was pulled back in for Diamonds Are Forever. Um, But Roger Moore's The Man with the Golden Gun was the most peaceful Bond outing with only one kill in that entire movie. Really? Yeah. So I did not see that one. So I I, um, I can't confirm that. Are you sure? One yeah, kill from is, uh, Bond. From Bond. From Bond. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Not not from the movie itself. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a there's a lot of people that not a lot, but a handful of people that die in that. Yeah. There have been fifty eight romantic liaisons over the film series, with Roger Moore <laughs> having seventeen romantic encounters over seven films. <laughs> Um, I mean, it, it is kind of like the script, right? Like you start yes. out with a romantic encounter, you end with a romantic encounter. Yes. So yeah, uh, really, you're, and yeah, you're talking about, we'll get in. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into this in, in probably the debates a little bit, but it's a pretty big difference from the early movies to the later movies um, in the role that these romantic liaisons take place. I will say that. Um, but so technically, actually, George Lazenby has the highest average, we'll say liaisons, with three encounters uh, in his singular appearance, uh, ending in in the one and only time that Bond gets married, which is interesting. At 85 units of alcohol consumed, do you have a guess on who drinks the most alcohol of all of the all of the bonds. Um uh, Roger Moore. No. It's actually Craig. Really? Um yeah, so 85 units he has drunk both the highest total number of units of alcohol and the highest average more than 21 units per film. Wow. I wanted to go I I wish I saw that stat before I just watched Casino Royale because I wanted to I would have wanted to count it. He definitely is drinking a lot during that. I mean, the whole movie, he, it's a casino game. Like he's drinking, you know, whatever. Mm. But 21's a lot in a movie. Uh, yeah, you, so, need, you need a drinking game or something. 
Yeah. His, tw- oh yeah, 26 drinks in Casino Royale and 25 Inspector are the top two, incidentally. This was, I, I thought was interesting. So obviously we all know uh, the martini shaken, not stirred. Um, it, he only says it over the, like, uh, Bond, so all actors, only say it a total of 12 times throughout the franchise compared to 25 outings for Bond, James Bond. So, you know, I, I you all, it, it comes up in almost every movie, the vodka martini shaken, not stirred, but he's not always requesting it. Like, they seem to know... Like I've noticed this in a lot of the movies is that 50% of the time they say, would you like, you know, a vodka martini shake an Australia? And he's like, of course. Or, you know, yeah. um, hmm. whereas interesting enough, funny, funny note that I noticed in, in the um, Casino Royale. Cause I watched that last night with, with Craig, there's a point where they ask him like about the drink. Like, do you want the vodka martini shake an absurd? And he, and he was like, he just got off of like almost being murdered. And like, it was just this like crazy. He's like, do you think I care about if it's shaken or it's like, like, he just, it was a perfect, just Craig take on it. I thought that was really cool. Like you didn't just say, of course, or like just do it suave. And that's yeah. one of the interesting things with that character. A couple other stats. So all bonds are, this was interesting, are about six, two or, or six, one in one one and a half, I guess you would say, except for Daniel Craig. And he is five, nine. So there was, I, I remember reading some articles about how there was some, some flack. I think actually Roger Moore, maybe I could, I might be misquoting, but I think Roger Moore was actually didn't like, he didn't think he fit the character because he was too short or mm. one of the reasons why he didn't. Hmm. But it is interesting. You have six bonds and they're all the same size, except for the last one who's comes in, you know, three inches shorter. Anyway, so I, I wanted to talk quickly. We talked about talked a little bit about their height, but their ages. This was one that that will come into play as we talk about our favorites. But I wanted to to announce this. So Sean Connery was was and, and their nationality. He was Scottish. He started at thirty two, ended at fifty three. Okay. If you include that non-canon movie, but even so, like you know, till his later years, George Lazenby was Australian, and he was thirty when he played the role. Okay. Roger Moore was English. He started at forty-six, ended at fifty-seven. Timothy Dalton was forty-one. He's Welsh. Forty-one ended at forty-three. Short reign there, obviously. Pierce Brosman, he's Irish, started at 42, ended at 49. And then Daniel Craig, uh, English, started at 38, ended at 47. Lazenby was the youngest and not included in this, but David Niven in Casino Royale was 57 when that was filmed. Non-canon again, but, you know, if you take that out, Roger Moore was the other oldest at 46. Um so I thought that was interesting. There's a, a, a pretty wide variety there. You'd think they'd be around the same age each time, but they're not. And then two other interesting facts around appearances in the movies. I was noticing this, so I wanted to look it up as I was watching all these movies. Um, Desmond Llewellyn uh, was in the most Bond movies. Uh, he played Q 
And he was in 17 of the movies from 1963 to 1999. Um, So that was pretty cool. And then a very familiar face in the earlier films, uh, Lois Maxwell was in 14 movies as Moneypenny from 1962 to 1985. Um, Right right before... um, or I guess I'll say right after Moore ended his, his run there. So that was, uh, that was the end of my stats. All right. Well, let's uh, jump into some friendship tests. We just become best friends. Yep. So I'll, I'll start by saying, I'm not going to lie because I've, been, <laughs> I've watched so many of these movies. I feel like, like one, like many of our topics, one hour is so hard to talk about something that, has 24 movies out right now well and we're just uh, talking about the films too right like we're we're, yeah, exactly. we're not even touching on uh, neither of us has read the books i'm gonna no. say no yeah and and we're yeah there's only so much you can do um so i always feel like i'm cutting the the, the topic short by not giving more stats but i'm really excited for this friendship test so we're gonna start with what is the best movie not Bond yet. What is the best movie in the franchise? Yeah. I I mean, that's that's so hard, I think, because you're comparing production value from 2016 being the most recent, right, uh, to, you know, 19, 1962. So more than 50 years, you're, you're kind of doing this comparison. That's why I think this is so hard. And I mean, that's why it's a tough question. But at the same, what I would say before you give your answer is, you know, you can still respect a movie for what it was back in the 60s or 50, or 70s or 80s or whatever. But and, and part of that is is a combination of everything, right? It's the acting, it's the writing, it's the, you know, it's the movie as a whole. Yeah. Yes. It's a different time and it's hard to compare, you know, the Craig movies to the Connery movies in terms of full build out. But yeah. I'll say you can re- still like them. Well, okay. I mean, not even like them, but I think they're better. So Casino Royale is one that I would watch anytime it's on. Like if it's on, I'm watching it. And so I think the David Niven one. Yeah. Right. The most recent one. <laughs> Yes. Uh, yes. And so I think it's hard for that one not to be my favorite just because of the amount of times I've watched it and just the overall frequency. I mean, it, it, I know what happens in that movie pretty much like from front to back. And, and I can't say that about the, the other movies. From a historical movie perspective, I'll I'll say I like uh, Goldfinger a lot. I think okay. that's a really good one. Yeah. So between those two, it it's probably those the you know one A and maybe it's one B or or two two A, but it's it's one B with an asterisk of just because it's historically, like if they were to remake that one, uh, uh, that might be an interesting 
comparison. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, we talked about this, but just a different era. And so the writing is different. The script is different. Um, the plot is, is very different. It didn't have to be, it didn't have to be overly complex. Um, the, it could be very simple and just, I don't know. I feel like if we were back in that time, I don't, I'm curious what my, my thoughts would be on that. I did like Goldfinger. I thought it was the, the better of the, the Connery films. And, and I, for, for the record, I did only see Dr. No from Russian with love and Goldfinger. I did not see Thunderball or you only live twice, but I did enjoy Goldfinger. I thought that was, that was a pretty solid one. Um, but my, my pick is actually Casino Royale. That was a movie that I had seen pieces of and then watched it over the weekend and found myself at, I've been watching all these Bond films over the last week. I was glued to the TV. Like I was excited. It's got a good combination of everything to it. It's, you know, good acting, exciting plots. You got your double agents. You got a, you know, the overall villain was fine. Um, the Shifra, I think was, was fine, but I, I don't know. I just, overall, I, I think it was, it was probably the best film. Wait, wait, I wait, came wait. In, you oh, haven't, you hadn't seen it until just a week ago, like yeah. the full thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and you, ex- you, you qualified this as thinking you were a Bond fan to begin so with? So I, well, I had seen like the recent Bond ones and I've seen the, the Brosman ones or some of them. But you hadn't seen Casino I Royale? Wouldn't, I, again, I wouldn't have said I'm a Bond fan, but I, I was like, I like the movies. Like when a new movie comes out, I would go see it. But that one came out in 2016. I was only Six. 16 years old. 2006. Or sorry, 2006. I was only 16 years old. You know, I I wasn't really rushing to the theater for, for movies at that time. So I think it was just kind of a later in life thing. Mm. And then the other ones were yeah, like, that's if probably my right. parents that's, wanted to see it. Yeah, it was I would go. That's probably the Barney age gap right there because I was in college at that point. Oh yeah, that would have been a cool movie to go see. Yeah, you know, Casino Royale. Yeah, you know, and I, I'd again, I'd seen pieces of it, but it was really sitting down and watching. I really enjoyed it. Uh, but I, I will. This is another so- shocker for me was that Goldeneye. I really enjoyed Goldeneye, and I, I think part of that is nostalgia. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. playing the game and yeah, watching it, it, but I still enjoy. Like, I really enjoyed the movie. Like, I thought it was really, really solid. Again, pretty all around. It almost as you go through the movies, you kind of see a transition. Sometimes quicker than others. Daniel Craig is 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 like so polar opposite to the earlier ones. Yes, and to see where we are right now. Yeah, but like. Pierce Brosnan was kind of an in-between. Like he had a little bit of the campiness, you know, the acting was a little cliche with some of the lines. There was some out of this world stuff that happened in those movies, but you know, overall, like I think, um, you know, his, his role in that, especially in Goldeneye was just, I thought it was really solid. So hmm. I would put Goldeneye as, as the number two. What? Behind, behind, behind Castillo. Royale. You need to watch more films. I, I don't know. I I cannot wait for Andrew's take on that one. I think it's I. All right, we'll talk about it. But like, I just I don't know. I well, we'll get into it in this in the next question here, which is who's 
who's your favorite Bond? And this maybe we should have saved this for last, but it's probably better we talk about it up top because. Yeah. What What are your thoughts on this? Because I want to. It may influence my. Yeah, and, and I really, I even want. I think you should rank them too, right? Like, not just yeah. who's your favorite. Yeah. I I, I, I want to because because here's the thing, is. So that, like I said earlier. The fact that Ian Fleming wanted Bond to be a dull guy actually, yeah. I think, impacted the way I thought about this this question. I don't want that to influence you too much, though. Well, okay, here, here's the thing. is I was already on the fence because I, I won't say that Timothy Dalton was my number one. I would say probably Sean Connery is my number one. Daniel Craig was probably my number two, but because of this, I believe Timothy Dalton has become my number two, and I think that is crazy, and it's 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 a hot take, but from a dullness, and like when I think about James Bond, for some reason, he stands out to me I, until you until I looked at this and said he only played in two films. I see Timothy Dalton more than I see, like, I, I can kind of see Roger Moore, but Timothy Dalton to me is what James Bond should look like. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, well, before I before I jump in on my take, because I have some, some words on this, but rank, can you rank them in order again, just so I have yeah, the record? Yeah, so, what, so Sean Connery, number one. Uh, I'm going to go Timothy Dalton, number two, Daniel Craig, number three, Roger Moore, number four, and Pierce Brosnan, number five, and then George Lasby. I've never seen the movie, so I, I, I don't know if you want to put him as six. He only made a one film, so he can't have been that good. Yeah, so <laughs> we, will, we will differ and we will agree on this, this take. Uh, so my number one is Pierce Brosnan. What? What? Yeah. So there's there's a couple reasons, and I'll go through through this. But oh my gosh, Pierce Brosnan was the perfect balanced Bond. He, if you look, if you compare him to other action scene fighters, he's one of the better Bonds. I mean, you could probably put Craig there, but like he actually, like you know. It looked like a good fight when he well, was involved. Well, that's part of so that's but, one. But that's the that's evolution one. of film. That's the evolution of film. That's not necessarily. It is, but it isn't. If you look at some of the fighting of the other ones, like there was some bad fighting. But like, and yes, that is partly film. But it also, like, if you look at um, that's the Lazenby. era. Lazenby had Lazenby was what was that? Uh, Nineteen sixty-nine. Lazenby was a martial artist. Or, or at least was trained in martial arts. And he, there's there's a scene or two where he, it, it's old movie, but it's a decent fight. Like, you can tell that. Connery sucked at fighting. So if you look at it from that perspective, like, you know. You and, and your lightsaber and battles. People, you and your lightsaber this is battles. Just one, this is just one piece to it, okay? The, the case for Brosnan is, is not only the fighting part, but he is the most balanced. So he, to me, when I picture Bond, I think of Brosnan. Because he's kind of this stoic, like Craig to me, when you think look, I don't know if you agree on this one, 
he doesn't feel like Bond no. to me. Like, I, he that's why I put him down. That's why I put him down to number three. Like yes, and and I think the movies are fantastic. I think he's a fantastic actor. Yeah, I just don't feel like he's Bond. Like he's yep. like a different character. Yep. And you know, you go to Sean Connery again. I'm using polar opposites here, but like Connery was just cringy. Like, and I, I know that maybe that was the writing and what it was supposed to be. And, and maybe I'll get a lot of flack for this, but I, I get, I didn't like his character. Hmm. I didn't like, Con- I liked his, in terms of suave and like just oozing off of him. Yeah, of course. Like that, he probably wins that category over any other person. But again, comparing all these people together, Brosnan has the balance of all of that. Like he's got the fighting, he's got the suave, he has the look. Like, <laughs> I, and and I can't disagree they, with you more. Here's the thing. Here I I I'm I'm sure. But I will say like not all of his movies were great and not all of his acting was great. Like the first two movies of his were better, much better than the last two. I mean, it gets crazy in the last couple. But the first two are really good and Goldeneye especially is is really really good with him. <laughs> the fact the fact that you said is really good from his first two movies is is that's telling. I I think that's honestly Do you not like Goldeneye? I, I thought Do you it was really fine. Not like I thought it was fine. I think I think it's enhanced by the video game. It you think it's better because of the video game. It's not even that like I like his demeanor. Like he's got I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know what it is about him. And I think I was, I was talking actually to listener X earlier today. I told him we were doing this, this episode. And uh, I told him that Brosnan was, was my guy or, or like who I would pick. And, you know, we kind of came to the realization, at least for me, uh, was that whatever Bond character you may grow up watching tends to be the one you feel more affiliated with. Yeah. Yours is a little different. But, well, well, but you did watch all of these growing up, right? So you know, I guess. Yeah, but again, like if you look at the the age of the movies, right? Like, so I was born in 1986, and and Timothy Dalton's last film was 89. So, you know, by the time you know I was probably old enough, that probably was coming right out. Or I mean, I wasn't watching it at three years old, but like in the late 90s, you know, that was probably a made for TV movie at that point. And so probably, yeah, yeah. but, but I did not like, I, I will say I, I didn't like many of the bond or the, the Brosnan movies. Brosnan. And that's fair, but here, here's the interesting thing. And I thought I was going to have a hot take, but my number two is Dalton. Mm, there and we go. I actually, yeah, I actually liked him. Yeah. So I don't disagree with you on that front. I think he was a really good balance. I thought, you know, after after the more movies, I thought it was a kind of a fresh take on him. And, you know, he's probably the closest to Craig without going full like rogue that Craig tends to feel like. Um, so I don't know. I, I really like Dalton. It was a little bit darker take on the character, more real character. Yeah. That's that's part of this too. Yeah. I, I like the realness of it without it being too real. Like Craig to me is is too real yeah if that makes i don't know what it is I don't, it's funny that we're Craig. trying to love him yeah we're we're we love the movies but he's not bond right like it's it's not a bond film no. and yeah 
it, it's funny. I'm looking up rankings on like who who. It's all across the board. Like there is no hot take. Yeah. There, there yeah, really that's, is that's no hot the take. Interesting. Yeah, I think. Yeah, there is no hot take. It's it's kind of all over the place. I was seeing that too, which made me comfortable to kind of sit, plant my my flag in, in a couple of these. And I would so to kind of finish my ranks because I do have another take. Uh, Sean Connery was number three, and that's mainly because I do think that there's aspects of his character that are what Bond wanted to be. But what I found myself doing, and I actually watched some of those movies with Alyssa, I it was uncomfortable. Like he, like he was misogynistic, like abused, like it was weirdly bad. And I know that was how it was written, but it, I don't know. I didn't, I did not like Connery and I, maybe that's a hot take. I don't care. Um, I just didn't like, it did not age well. I guess I'll say that. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not a, not a huge fan of him, but overall, like I thought, you know, he played the role well. And I, when you talk about look, I think he's kind of got that. I had Craig at number four. I had Lazenby at five. Did you actually I see actually this film? Thought, I, I did. I watched oh, that one. Oh, okay. I wanted to watch one of every every actor. Okay. Um, so I watched that one. That was the one where he gets married. It's not that great of a movie. He's pretty lackluster. Um, but I watched the whole movie. But I watched one Roger Moore movie um, of the seven or so. Which one did you watch? Uh, the Spy Who Loved Me, which is the highest rated movie of the more, mm. according to like IMDb and and Rotten Tomatoes. I hated it. Really? I did not like that type of Bond for a couple reasons. And this is why I put him in last place. Roger Moore is old. And I don't think Bond should be like my dad. <laughs> like he's he's like in his 50s or like late 40s and 50s into these movies and i just didn't like that and and then then it's partly the the campiness of the movie itself where you know the car gets cut in half in this one movie and you know he rolls down you know or he just has these lines i just wasn't interested out of all the movies that i watched the most fatigue i got watching a bond movie was that movie um, and I know that he has a, a, a following. I know there's a lot of people that really like him. I just don't like Roger Moore. Hmm. I don't think he he doesn't fit what I think Bond should be as like this old man that like makes jokes. Like I want him to be a, a similar my same uh, issues with Connery, where like I want them to be a little bit more like young and spry and ready to fight, or at least they should be the best at their job, not just a really smart outwit you guy like they need to be like the best shot and the you know good fighter and like really well balanced and i just don't feel like the early bonds really had that um so anyway that was my take and then i guess david niven would be on the bottom but i i did not see that movie oh anymore. yeah yeah we'll, like, i don't count that i don't count that all right well um what yeah. about the uh the bond girls yeah, so uh, I again I've only seen twelve of the of the twenty four, um, but of those movies, I have I have one that I think just jumped out at me, um, and there's a lot there's a lot of good ones, but from Doctor No, yeah, Honey Rider, yeah, was my 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 number one, and uh, I I looked at a couple ranks of 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 them 
and she never really made it to the top, but I was kind of shocked because, you know, if you're talking about like full on, like depth of character, sure. She's not that, but are you talking about bond girl? Like she set the, she set the um, bar or made the, yeah, set the bar, made the mold for what a bond girl should be. And she's fantastic. Um, so that's that that would be my one and then my my backups were tracy um from her majesty's secret service which is the one you did not see that was the lazenby one the one he got married the one to the one he got married to i <laughs> thought she was she was a bombshell she was and, and she was deeper too like i actually liked her character in, in some cases i liked her better than than george in terms of acting and whatnot um and then as a asterisk just a nod to it would be uh, Natalia from Goldeneye because oh, gosh. she was my go-to character in the video game. Yeah. And um, I did like that. But I, I realistic, I wouldn't put her in the top, but I just, you know, thought I'd give her a nod. Yeah. But what about you? Where, where you where you put? Yeah. You know, Honey Rider. So she was who was in, in Dr. No. She's she's definitely set the stage for the, the femme fatale in, you know, the Bond films. Uh, so she's she's up there. The then kind of going into the the kind of middle time period, it's uh, Kara Milvoy who is in Living Daylights. Um, I really liked her character as well. Uh, she was a I, was, I believe she was an uh, a member of the orchestra, and Bond was saving her from oh. getting killed. And interesting, huh? I just, I just, that was the movie I just watched before coming to the podcast to yeah. record. Yeah. I would not have put her in the top five or 10. She's a different type. Yeah. She's, she's a different, different type. type of yes. Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, I respect that. And she's all throughout too. Like the whole, the whole movie is pretty much surrounding her. Yeah. So that, yeah, uh, she's, she's a little bit of a ditz. Yeah. But I don't know. Like she, she's fine. She's obviously very I talented. I mean, they're all, they're all really great. She's she's you know a professional uh, cello player, so like you know, she yeah. she may be a little bit of a ditz in that way, but like in like a overall intelligence uh, and how she's portrayed. But she's obviously a professional at a le- you know yeah. some level, so she has a level of intelligence that is there. Um, and then the last yeah. one I would say is is Vespa, uh, v- Vesper, Vespa, Vespa um, from the oh Ves Ves. Uh, the Vesper, Vesper, yeah, I think. Or Ve- I don't know how you pronounce yeah, it's her Vesper name. Vesper from Casino uh, Royale. Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, she's she's a, she's nice. Yeah. Um, so that was something I learned. <laughs> I didn't know. Uh, I we had a uh, uh, a Casino Royale party few few years ago, and um, there was Vesper drinks that were available. Yeah. And I never was a fan of gin, um, but I had Vespers that night, and I, I had a great time. They were very tasty. <laughs> and I, had, I knew that they were like a Bond drink, yeah. like a vodka martini, but I didn't know much about it. And then, we, or I guess I shouldn't say rewatching, but watching Casino Royale, and her name is very subtly used. But then, like I realized as the movie was going, I was like, oh, like that's her name, and you know this is the drink. He just called it after her. And then it's a whole thing. And I'm like, Oh, this is really cool. So anyway, I, I appreciated, uh, her. And then also the drink that came from 
that yeah. movie or, or I guess more from the book. Um, okay. Well, okay. So best bond villain, or you could throw in a henchman if you want um, honorable mention, but yeah. What would you say? Yeah. So there is something about, uh, I kind of have these two sides, right? I have the very like physical raw jaws side did you even see uh, did you even see the movie that he was in? i did he was he was in the roger actually, moore movie the spy who loves me yeah and I, he's in two movies in, total i but think he's in moonraker as well right i did not see the other movie he's in but he is in a later movie um yeah he's in he's in moonraker as well i think he dies in moonraker okay so jaws i i think is a great character uh, okay. And then on the other side, the, the intelligent kind of crazy side is uh, Francisco Sharamanga, who's the man with the golden gun. And that mm. I, those two, the dichotomy of those two, uh, I, I have a hard time picking between those, those two. Those stand out to me the most. So, okay. So the man with the golden gun. Yeah. So I did not see that one. Um I think the more era was because it was so campy. It was over the top. It had a lot of those henchmen kind of crazy over the top kind of villains too. That um, this was, this is another random thought that I had as I was going through all these, I want to rewatch once I, I'm going to go back and keep watching some of these. Cause I have, I've obviously missed some, but uh, I want to rewatch Austin powers. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Because you have to, there's so much that I've, I watched Austin Powers so a bunch of times yep. and you, you laugh at the jokes and everything, but there's so much like that is a direct correlation yep. to bond. And I want to now go back and watch it. And, and I'm sure I will appreciate it even more because there's, there's so much there. And the, and the henchman just reminds me of that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, shoot Goldfinger. He's a great villain as well. Yeah. It, there's, there are some really good ones in there. And, but yeah, you're spot on. You have to go rewatch Austin Powers after watching some of these because there is so much subtlety and, mm-hmm. and you know, com- uh, comedic value added to Austin Powers from, you know, playing off of this. Yeah. The, the uh, other thing I was going to say, remember when we were talking about uh, Bruce Lee? And I can't remember the yeah. film. Uh, was it the dragon? Uh, the last film, the dragon. Enter the dragon. Enter the dragon. Yeah, the last film was? is essentially like you take the man with the golden gun and enter the dragon, and they are like the exact same movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Because because they both have these guys who are on the island. Um, they have the same wall, uh, and, and I think at the time I said Dr. No for the movie, so I was obviously wrong mm-hmm. there, but it's Man with the Golden Gun. There's this mirror scene. Uh, do you remember Enter the Dragon? What, you watched it, right? Wait. Yes. There's yep. the yeah, mirror scene. Yeah. So that that fight scene is exactly the same that happens in Man with the Golden Gun, except for oh. they have guns. With guns? Yes. Yeah. And like it, it, it's almost the exact same setup. Like they're on this island. It like the the mirroring of those two 
films is very similar. Hmm. Yeah. I'll have to go back and watch that one. I, um, I've heard decent stuff about it. And I, I think the one thing too, like my take on Roger Moore is based off of one movie, which supposedly is one of his better ones. But I heard that like the earlier Roger Moore movies, he was a little different. And I think I would maybe like him a little bit better in those earlier ones, which man with a golden gun was, I guess his third film. I think based off of what you said, you're going to have a hard time liking Roger Moore. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Um, just not my my style. But, you know, the interesting thing with, with Bond, overall, like you talk about this franchise versus like other movie franchises that have so much just longevity. I mean, heck, this is the third most profitable one. Uh, I'm actually a little bit disappointed in the some of the villains. There hasn't been a ton of like, jaw-dropping villains that i have seen there's like organizations like specter right that you know has you know a, a variety of different people that have come through and um who's uh who's the head of specter do you remember that guy oh my gosh i'm blanking on him dr white or whatever his uh, name is isn't it dr white he oh Blow, blowfield um so Blowfield is like played by different actors throughout. Um, he he was in some of the Connery ones. Yeah. Um, and then he, he was actually in Goldfinger. He might have appeared with a cat, but you don't really see him. And then on Her Majesty's Secret Service, which is the Lazenby one, was the first real appearance, I believe, of him. I could be wrong, but it that was one of the first ones at least. And... Like he has kind of a menacing to him, but still a little underwhelming. When I when I think of the best Bond villain in this grand scheme of things, and you may hate this, but it's from Goldeneye, and it's it's Trevelyan, I think Trevelyan um, or Trevelyan. I forget how to pronounce his name. Oh, but he's really? he's the double he's the double O agent, and then he flips. You think he's dead? He comes back. And he's kind of got this, I think the, the, the best part about him as a Bond villain, and I don't think he's like the best villain of all time, like he's a good Bond villain, is it's a combination, again, this is why maybe the balance was there and I liked him and Brazen. It's like he is a, 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 a sick, kind of, kind of twisted guy. He's, so he fits that villain piece. Um, he's very thoughtful in his moves, like he's tactful, but then he also can get in a fight and it's cool. Like that it's those three pieces together make a, in my opinion, not, not every villain needs that, but I think in the bond villain, when bond is going to be fighting people, I feel like he fit the role best. Um, so just cause I, you saw really him in the video him. game. You just saw him in the video. No, game. that one was not the video game. I had no idea who that was in the video game. And I never really played him in the video game. I don't think. Yeah, but you heard his name. Yeah, but it was this one was straight from watching the mm-hmm. the movie. He's in the video game and now. Appreciate it. He is. He is. You're right. But my appreciation for him came after watching the movie. And I, out of all the ones I just watched, he is easily one of the better villains. Out wow. There. Hmm. So hot take. That's, that's. Yeah, I guess so. All right, well, we are well over time. 
think we should uh, jump into some delusional thinking. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills! All right, Justin. So our delusional thinking question comes from some iconic movies or actors, I guess. Uh, Would you rather have Morgan Freeman narrate your life or be the plot of a random James Bond movie where you are the villain? And, and I'll, I'll qualify this, that Morgan Freeman is narrating your life, and not only is he narrating your life, you hear him narrating your life. So it's not like he's narrating it for a film. It's kind of like the Truman Show where you hear him narrating it, you hear any foreshadowing or, or opinions that Morgan Freeman has on your life, you're directly hearing that from him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think... At surface level, you know, just going to talk this out. At surface level, Morgan Freeman narrating anyone's life is awesome. Yep. Uh, he is really fantastic person to narrate. He's the best narrator around uh, in terms of movies, at least. He's got that voice. So I, I think that's that's appealing at start. As I dig deeper into that, it probably would get on your nerves yeah. to hear another voice narrate your thoughts and your, what you're doing and all of that. So there's definitely some pullback I have on that one. Um, Like basically if I were to, if I were to narrate you right now, I would be saying, and Justin Mitchell, he's talking about his podcast. He's talking about James Bond and you'd have to continue to talk while hearing that. Yeah. I, would struggle immensely with that. So that, that, that gives me pause though. I really do like him. So there's this like torn uh, attitude that I have right now. The other side of this is the James Bond villain. Now you're playing this as if it's like real life, I guess, but you're a villain to James Bond and you live your life like a villain. Um, I, this is interesting to me. It's intriguing because I think, you know, there's some fun to this one where, you know, you're the bad guy. So just embrace it. Um, you know, I'd hate, I'd have to change everything about my life, but I can be the bad guy. And I, my goal is to outwit James Bond and, you know, 007. And, I, I think there would be a lot of fun with that. Now, the bad part with this is that you're probably going to die. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. And you're you're going to become a statistic. Yeah. So I, I, what I'll say is I hope I'm one of the – and there's not many of them, maybe Blowfield with the exception. But um, the if I could live like movie franchises, you know – kind of transcend it and be the villain, then I kind of, I'm okay. I'm okay with this option. Yeah. I'm going to die, but you know, it'll be interesting to live as the head villain and try to outsmart and be thoughtful and, and methodical and, and everything else. So I I'm, I'm drawn a little bit to that. I'm not ready to plant my flag, but wow. I think that's where I, I'm sitting right now. Cause the, I think 
I, I do think as much as I love Morgan Freeman, that will drive me insane to hear another voice narrating everything I'm doing. It just, I might go bonkers. So that's, that's my initial take is, is to stick with or to go with the uh, Bond villain. I agree with everything you said, except for the fact that I think at some point I would get used to Morgan Freeman narrating my voice. You, you think, and being someone who's in, you know, the video TV industry, essentially a lot of what people do is they have like what they call an IFB. So, an, uh, uh, you know, headset or whatever it is in their ear and so they have a producer talking to them and all of these people are able to continue to talk while listening to the producer and that's a skill that they've built up right and so that is just something that we're you'd have to learn i do not want to be killed by james bond i think it would be cool to be in the film but i will never want to be killed by james bond i think that sounds like a terrible idea the fact that i will be running from James Bond and and trying to outsmart him yet I am smart enough to know that he's killed a lot of people there's a reason why he's a 007 and yep. so that's that gives me no hope on being a villain for James Bond so I think I can yeah. get at least used to Morgan Freeman talking over and narrating my my life you know, maybe I can record it somehow and, uh, you know, make some money off of it. I don't know, you know, as, well, as I if you're go talking to the money, Brian, if you're talking money, the villain, I mean, we, we roll in the money over here. So, but then you I die. Mean, yeah. We're going to die early, but, but yeah, sure. But you die with a, go insane. You die with a lot I, of money, I, but, but I, people, people listen. You are, you are right. But they also don't do it twenty four seven. Like I don't want Morgan Freeman to say, "And Justin lies down to go to sleep, but he can't. He keeps hearing me. Here I am." <laughs> like it just like ah, I'd go insane. Uh, I know his his voice like, is at least soothing. It is soothing, yes. And maybe you would get used to it, but I'm not willing to roll the dice. I'm gonna live this villainy just, just life. long enough to. I mean. Uh, I'd be interested to know what the stat is on on the earliest killed villain in a a uh, Bond movie, because you may only live for you know well a couple days. I, I also am making some assumptions here, where I assume because I'm a villain now I'm rich, and I'm probably at least tit for tat kind of back and forth with Bond, and not mm. just average Justin that is going to be shot through a sniper through the window right now. Like I, I feel like I I'm, I'm now equipped with the villain body armor or suits. If you would, I think that would be a part of this. I don't know. I don't know. (laughs) Well, um, I guess we'll, we'll agree to disagree on the very topic. Yes. End it. Like we started. Yeah. Um, this, this has been a blast. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we've gotten through 100 episodes. Yeah. Topics. Exactly topics. Right now. Topics. Well, yeah. Topics. Ew, more, more episodes. More episodes. Yeah. A hundred topics. Yeah. So, um, and we are, we're closing in, I say closing in because we are uh, talking about doing a, a couple special episodes here, but we're closing in on two years. So 
we want to kind of keep this going just just a little bit longer because you know we've we've had our hundred topics like you said brian um, but we want to rehash we want to relive some of our our episodes over the last two years um so we're going to be recording some some uh some recap episodes which you know for those who have stuck with us this long i i appreciate you we appreciate you it's, it's insane that you if you listen to more than one episode and this is why we do it it's, it's kind of a you know yeah sure we do it to educate ourselves but we do it for the fun of hearing you guys talk about it so yeah it's kind of bittersweet to you know throw a bow on this but um We've, we've had some, some fun. Yeah, I mean, two years every week, you know, 104 episodes is what we're shooting for, or, you know, weekly episodes. And and I think it's just fitting to get to, when we got to 100, we might as well get to 104. So, you know, and, and maybe yeah. we're not done with our podcast, but, but I, think, I think the quest, quest for 100 will probably be done at that point. We've talked about some other thoughts of how we could do some podcasts and continue, you know, the the banter as we like to do, um, you know, maybe not on a weekly basis. But uh, if you've got some ideas of, of things you want, uh, you know, to hear from us, uh, episode or series that might might come in handy for us, your, your wife, Alyssa, threw out a great idea, and I really like that idea. Um you know, we, we like our food episodes, so maybe we go food. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we go specific topic. But uh, it's been it's been a fun ride. We're not quite over with it. But, I mean, as far as the new learning, I feel like we have closed the book on our new learnings yeah. for 100 topics. And uh, yeah. it's, it's kind of bittersweet. It is. It really is. I mean, and, I, you know... We don't do this very often, but honestly, it's kind of, I think we deserve a pat on the back because we did a hundred, more than a hundred episodes, but a hundred topics that we've gotten through and the, the dedication um, that that has taken, you know, heck, I, I invested like seven movies worth of research into <laughs> just to talk about this, yeah. you know, topic this week. I, yeah. And I had fun doing it. You know, not ever, ever, not every episode is like that, but, um, you know, I, I know we've, we've grown a lot. We've learned a lot over the last two years on this, episode, on this podcast. So anyway, I, I know, you know, from, from Brian and I, thank you. Thank you so much for, for the listeners out there. And, you know, I usually close by saying, follow us. Um, if you want to do that, you can still do that on, you can look us up, but if you haven't really followed us by now, uh, I, I don't know. You're not going to start in episode 100. Yeah. But, um, two hours into, uh, or no, uh, an hour and 20 minutes into, uh, you know, episode a hundred. I don't know that you're going to follow just because Justin said to follow us at yeah. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And, right. Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, again, like Brian said, if you have any thoughts or ideas for how we keep the conversation going, we're, we're open to it. Over the next month or so, we're going to be popping out a couple of recap episodes, which will be fun, hopefully, for you, for, for the viewer or listeners. But, uh, but again, uh, thanks. That, that's all I can say. I'm humbled by, by the listeners out there. Um, yeah, thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Justin. And I guess I can still say until next time because we've got a couple more episodes. But uh, 
it will soon come to an end. Until next time on the Quest for 100. Yeah.